1: an unmatched dual threat hey everybody it's good old J.R. Jim Ross the voice of AEW Wrestling yo this is Flip Gordon C.V.V. Chris this is Liam O'Rourke author of Crazy Like a Fox TCO the French Canadian Frankenstein hey this is your Olympic hero Kurt Angle and you're listening to Top Rope Nation oh it's true it's damn true we're gonna have one hell of a podcast ladies and
0: gentlemen Oh no! Oh yeah! I finished these fights. Give me a hell yeah! Top Rope Nation. Learn to love it.
1: It's the best thing going, today
0: Welcome to episode 165 of Top Rope Nation. It's Ryan and Kyle here with you. We're recording. It's Wednesday afternoon. You are listening Thursday morning. So another edition of the Wednesday Night Wars is in the books. Hopefully, you guys enjoyed that. Let us know what you thought of the shows. Tweet us at Top Rope Nation. Send us an email, TopRopeNation at gmail.com. But we are not going to be discussing NXT or Dynamite today. I think we've got a pretty full show with a couple of other big topics. But before we get into it, Kyle Ross on the line with me. How's your week going? Great. I'm actually
1: drinking a cup of Coke, and you threw it to me right as I took a big sip. <laughs>
0: i hear the ice jingling in your glasses yes, i apologize
1: Try to, a very unprofessional start to this broadcast
0: trying to not spit it out <laughs> oh we were just talking off air i've been running all over the place uh the summer's coming to an end the the summer that never really felt like yeah. a summer it's just been so bizarre just, i don't know about you but it doesn't really feel like it's been summer it's been, we've just been like on the hamster wheel ever since march and everything's kind of felt the same. And. I guess the weather's changed a little bit, but uh, I don't. I don't feel, you know, getting ready to teach again here in the fall. I I don't feel like uh, it's back to school time. It's just such a weird feeling during this pandemic.
1: Look, man, I was going to make a joke about swallowing fast, but that never goes well, so I'll just Ooh. leave that alone.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Save that for when Justin's back on the okay. pod.
1: <laughs> hey, let me take another big, unprofessional sip here, real quick. My <laughs> mouth's all <little>
0: arid. <laughs> So while Kyle is indulging himself in Coca-Cola, (laughs) let me get the housekeeping out of the way. Uh, Of course, we're members of the Blue Wire podcasting network. You heard the, the promo by Greg Olson at the top of the show. He's got a new show with Blue Wire debuting very soon. So you can check out the whole lineup from the Blue Wire Podcasting Network at BlueWirePods.com. And if you want to help us out, look us up on Apple Podcasts. Leave us a five-star rating. Leave us a written review. We'll read it on the air. If you leave us a written review, make sure to list your your Twitter username or your Instagram username in the review so that I can get a hold of you because if you do, I'll send you a free Top Rope Nation sticker in the mail. All you got to do is leave us that written review. And uh, yeah, I mean, we're available wherever podcasts are found. So Stitcher, Spotify, TuneIn, Podbean, hit subscribe so you never miss the show. We got two shows dropping each and every week, every Thursday and every Monday. And if you want more from the show, if you want a little bit of a better way to contact us, more of a direct line to myself and Kyle and Justin, if you want to be involved in our creative output and what we got planned for the shows coming up, and also to get some bonus content, head over, over to patreon.com slash top nation. You can find out how you can become a patron of the show and all the benefits that come with that. So with that said, Kyle, we wanted to lead off by kind of looking back at the life of a wrestling legend that we lost this week, and that would be none other than Kamala. And I think I'll I'll let you kind of take it away with this one, because you put most of the notes together for this section.
1: Sure. Uh, Tough life, uh, for sure, to be had. I mean, you know, should be pointed out, you know, we're we're like retribution here, folks. Not political, but it was a COVID-19 related death, just. You know, and yeah. but uh, that was just kind of the tip of the iceberg. I mean, you know, his father was shot when he was four years old, double amputee. So, um, yeah, a real tough life, but he was a big star for a period of time in the 80s. And three things I want to say about Kamala's wrestling career one, I believe you can make the case that no heel was better suited to the old territorial area than Kamala in yes. the sense that you build him up like the monster he is, and then you have him lose to your top babyface. And then he leaves the promotion when his kind of invincible aura has been shattered, which would lead me to my second point, freedom of movement. Uh, this is something that we don't see in 2020 wrestling hardly at all anymore. But you know, Kamala was a guy who was not afraid to leave a territory when things weren't going his way. And, you know, kind of some people thought he left too soon, whatever. At the same time, you could view this as a positive. He never got stale in one place. You know, compare that to the modern WWE, where people are around now for six, seven, eight years, and that's normal. Kamala, you'd be lucky if
0: he was around six, seven, eight months in a territory mm-hmm. back in the day. Yeah, you look down the line of of all the territories he worked in, he was all over the place: Continental, Mid-South, World Class, WWF. Back to other independents, back to WWF, US, US, WW, USWA, the WWF again, WCW. I mean, he, yeah, he made the best of it. And, and he, uh, you're right, he certainly didn't stay in one place too long and he always kind of felt fresh when he would show back up somewhere. Yeah.
1: Tremendous commitment to the gimmick character as well. Uh, that'd be the third thing I wanted to point out. You mentioned all the places he worked for, um, you know, and even WWF, you know, this worked. He, he worked everywhere, really. It went, it had, And, you know, with a gimmick like that, it does have a limited shelf life. You don't want that to be around for years, really, because, again, once he does that first job, well, that's, you know, it's all all in seeing him lose for that first time after the build. And it worked great with Hogan in 86 in WWF. He brought his stint there up. Um, We'll just kind of forget that the 92-93 run ever happened. That's very poor. So let's just, we won't be talking a lot about that. Uh, Here on this show, but with Hogan, they drew sellouts at MSG in December 86 and January of 87. Um, There's a really cool brawl that Hogan Kamal did. You can find this on YouTube after that December 86 show. It was really rare for MSG to see a backstage brawl, but they did one. And if you can sit through this really horrible wizard promo, uh, I invite you to just, you know, check that out on YouTube. If you just I think you just type in Hogan Kamala Brawl. It should be the first thing that comes up. Again, it's after the December 86 MSG show. And it features a cameo from Vince McMahon and Pat Patterson breaking things up. Vince is almost comical in the way he does it. Mm. So people should check that out. I got a real laugh when Vince bolted in um, and and kind of was a part of that whole deal. Uh, Hogan cuts a great promo for the rematch too, which I saw like 10 years ago and have never been able to find since. And that upsets me. Hmm. So, If you find it, send it into the yes, show, guys. please send it to us. So it's on the syndicated television, you know, when they would kick it and, you know, you'd hear about them coming to your area. And, yeah. you know, I don't know how many markets this even aired in at the time. Certainly, I'm sure, New York. But Hogan comes in with his face painted like Kamala, scaring the shit out of Gene Okerlund. And Gene's reaction to it was great. And Hogan, he's, like, talking about the laws of the jungle and whatnot. And watching the promo, it's very clear that within the previous five minutes, Hulk Hogan had done a lot of cocaine. (laughs) There's just absolutely no two ways about it. If he didn't, (laughs) I want to know what he did do five minutes before because that is some amazing magic to be able to cut a promo like that without having done, you know, indulge in the Bolivian nose powder five (laughs) minutes prior. (laughs) <laughs> it's it's unbelievable, man. Oh, I have to see this. Yeah. So, uh yeah, that was before the January 87 show and um it's good stuff. He wears the war paint for that match too, which is, you know, Kamala matches if you're a younger fan are not going to wow you through the 2020 Prism, 2020 being the year, but that Kamala January 80 or the Hogan January 87 match is probably his best one if you're looking for something like that.
0: Good wreck. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's, I don't really, I'm, I'm not old enough to recall any of this 80s run. I, what I know of him early on was from watching him in that 92 to 93 <laughs> era, which you said is best forgotten, but that's kind of how I knew him growing up. And I do remember going back and, you know, the first times that I, I saw that work that he did in the mid eighties being kind of blown away that, you know, he seemed more like a comedy figure in the nineties, but, yeah. um, Back then, it was taken a little bit differently, and it was just more entertaining to watch, I thought. Um, I also, another memory I have of him that I want to share, because I know you got one, is that um, one of my good friends in high school, he grew up in Mississippi. And I remember when we started talking about wrestling one time, and he was a wrestling fan as a kid. And he told me that uh, his mother's best friend, their housekeeper, was Kamala's wife. And I was like blown away. Are you serious? And yeah, he had a he had a signed picture from Kamala because I guess his friends at school in Mississippi at the time didn't believe him when he when they when he told the kids this would have been probably 92, 93. So he's like eight or nine years old. Uh, when he told the kids, you know that guy in wrestling, Kamala, like his wife works with my mom's friends at, at her house. He's their housekeeper, or she's the housekeeper, and they're like, "No way!" Uh, you know, Kamala's from Africa. He's not from the United <laughs> States. All stuff. So he, oh, that's he, incredible he, stuff right there. You know, what? just buying into the kayfabe. So he's yeah. like, "I'm going to prove it to you guys." So he got an autograph picture. He had his mom talk to her friend and. She had the wife bring an autographed picture for my buddy James, and he brought it to school to show all the kids that, in fact, no, Kamala actually was from Mississippi, <laughs> yeah. was not making the commute from Uganda every day. Yes, yes.
1: Uh, wow, that's an incredibly small world. I like that. Yeah. Um, couple things with Kamala, just I guess to wrap it up. I like the brawl he has with Andre the Giant on the February twelfth, eighty-three Mid South TV episode. Uh, this sets up a bloody Andre cutting up a really fired up promo with Bill Watts that you, it's the kind of emotion you didn't see from Andre very often Mm -hmm. where he's kind of like both vulnerable and really pissed off at the same time. So it's worth a look again. If you're a younger fan, if you're just looking for work rate, you're probably not going to, you know, find a lot here, but it was an exceptional character that drew well in the short term. And when you're a kid, As I was during this initial run, you're kind of blown away when you see him. Right? It's an impressive look. Um, And who could forget the fact that he refused to do a job to Brian Danielson, who was ROH champ at the time in 2006?
0: Why? Amazing.
1: Why? Because Brian Danielson was a small guy. What a freaking legend Kamala is. (laughs) That is unbelievable. 2006. 2006. They're telling Kamala, hey, you're doing the job to Brian Danielson. Doesn't work for me, pal.
0: (laughs) <laughs> Done work for me, pal. Legendary, Why? legendary. He's our champion. Too small. <laughs> um, so, I mean, Kamala's not in the WWE Hall of Fame. Uh, you think he'll be going in? I don't
1: know. I mean, eventually they're going to run out of people and he might get the call. Yeah. Because, you know, I can see it. it it's going to get to a point where, you know, the 80s nostalgia era. There's going to have to be like one every year almost. Mm. I guess until you just, you know, just give up on that era and just go to the, you know, exclusively cherry pick from the Attitude era. But there's probably not as many guys as you could pick from that era. So who knows? He might be able to. Um, the only last thing I'd like to say about Kamala, you know, you had a personal anecdote and I've got one myself as well. And I think you'll enjoy this, Mr. Drosty. Right. You obviously could not do this gimmick today. That goes without saying. Right. Yes. And along those lines, so I fell asleep. Watching Mid-South television one night And I'm married, in case if you're new to the program And in the middle of the night I am woken up By my wife Who is irate And she goes What the fuck is this on the TV And I look up <laughs> and it's the Kamala promo. And they used it in both Mid South and World Class, the same exact one. I think it was in Jerry Lawler's backyard, but they pretended it was deepest, darkest Africa. Oh, God. <laughs> like, it's something that does. I mean, you talk about not aging well with 2020 20 eyes, but she was like, what the fuck is this? <laughs> and I was like, eh,
0: it's Kamala. Oh. <laughs> Don't worry. Oh, man. Yeah that's that's pretty it's yeah. funny but also sad yeah <laughs> but oh man yeah so i mean he he's definitely an iconic character in wrestling you know if you grew up in the 80s or the 90s you remember him and it's a sad loss it's sad because of what's going on in the world right now as well and uh, obviously best uh our thoughts and best thoughts go out to his family as they're working through a difficult time right now mm-hmm. yeah so so with that said, uh, we're going to throw a quick shout out to our friends over at NFL Sunday Ticket and Deal Dash, and then we'll be back to talk about your friend and mine, Kyle, Mr. Seth Rollins. Oh, no. <laughs> have you ever heard of DealDash.com? It's the best, most honest bidding site where you can win things you'd never expect at a price you'd never believe. They have over 1,000 auctions every day on electronics, appliances, beauty products, home decor, and even cars. Here's how it works. It's like an auction, but every item starts at $0, and it only goes up one cent every time you bid. The kicker is that is that the auction clock restarts after just 10 seconds. That means every time you bid, everyone else has 10 seconds to answer, or the item is yours. So if you go ahead and buy now, Deal Dash is offering our listeners an extra 100 free bids upon sign up on top of their other discounts. Go to Deal and use the offer code TOPROPE or Deal fm Slash Top Rope. rope. That's D E A L D A S L D A Slash Top Rope. Sunday, Sunday, Sundays are coming back in the NFL with NFL NFLSundayTicket.tv. You can stream every live out-of-market NFL game every Sunday afternoon on your favorite devices, plus Red Zone and DirecTV Fantasy Zone channels. Never miss your favorite teams and favorite players. You know what that means, Kyle? It means inevitably I will be disappointed by my Chicago Bears and I won't miss a single minute as I tune in each and every week to the Mitch Trubisky Show. No matter where you live, NFL NFLSundayTicket.tv is your key to the most glorious Sundays ever. Use the promo code BLUEWIRE at checkout to get 15% off your subscription. That means no more haggling with DirecTV to get a discount each and every year threatening to cancel your service. Don't bother. Go to NFLSundayTicket.tv and get 15% off. Use promo code BLUEWIRE. Sounds great. Yeah. Detroit
1: Lions, decent long shot to win the NFC North this year. Heard it here first.
0: You know, I have seen a little hype about the Detroit Lions, and I find it hard to believe, but who knows?
1: It's the one division in the league that's wide open. Obviously, this is a year that's going to be like none other. Um, Maybe not, but I I don't know. seems like it should be. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, you look at that division, Minnesota and Green Bay aren't going to be as good as they were last year. And I don't know if you know this, Mr. Drosty, but the Chicago Bears... Do not have a strong history under center
0: at the quarterback position. <laughs> but they got big Nick Foles now. So uh who knows? How long till he unseats the starter, Mitch Trubisky? That'll be the true question. <laughs> we'll see.
1: I, I, I want to make a Nick Foles joke. But <laughs> I will. You know, I called
0: him Big Nick, not uh, you did call him Big Nick, didn't you? <laughs> Trying to keep this PG. Yeah. I know the other nickname. Mm-hmm. <laughs> How about unseating somebody? I don't know what, where you're going with that. Oh, all right. I'm going to make a hard left turn now. I bet you will. <laughs> I'll check back in October and see how my Bears are doing with you guys. Uh, maybe it'll be like two years ago when I was having a really good time and not like last year where I was crying into my beer every Sunday. Oh, boy.
1: Speaking of Chicago Bears fans. Oh,
0: here we go. That Now, there you go. Maybe you should be the in the host seat, Kyle. That was a hell of a transition. That's Thought who we're it. talking about. <laughs> Thought oh, of it while you're doing the ad read. <laughs> fellow iowan mr colby lopez i mean seth rollins uh in the news again and uh not really for a good reason kyle now justin and myself are big fans of seth rollins uh, as it comes to his in-ring work we've been not shy about admitting that in the past and we're proud to be from iowa and the home state of the former champ but man i gotta tell you When he makes some of these comments, it just makes me shake my head, and I don't know where he's going. I don't even know where to start. There was a couple of them this week. Um, Let's start with the first one where he said that fans, WWE fans, don't have patience for long-term storylines. Where to start here? Fan-blaming is never a good idea.
1: No. It it, it just, you can't win that. And, you know, what he's trying to do here is be a good soldier for the company. I mean, I guess my hat's off to him. But the problem is he's soldiering for a product that, I'm sorry, folks, just isn't very
0: good right now. Right. To say the least. And, you know, AEW, they've done some long-term storylines. I'm not going to say WWE never does long-term storylines, but it's pretty rare in this day and age. And I do find the premise of the argument that fans don't have patience for long-term storylines A little problematic considering, you know, how popular dramatic television series are on TV and those are all built on long-term storylines. And, I mean, these shows are building multi-year storylines. It's entertainment. Why can't wrestling do the same thing?
1: Okay, let's look at this. Do you think WWE fans are somehow different than the general public when it comes to consumption of entertainment and their desire Slash patience for long-term storylines. I do not. Okay, I I don't either. Here's the issue, and we mentioned this on last week's show, I do believe. WWE stories are usually not good, even if they are resolved. Yes. We've been, quote-unquote, letting it play out for 20 years with this company. And, again, it's either the storylines are dropped, or they're not resolved in a compelling manner. And... That's not to say it's, you know, they're so, oh, what do you just want to, if, if we don't book exactly how you want, it sucks, right? No. <laughs> uh, that's not it at all. It's that, you know, WWE stories often don't lead anywhere. Let, let's actually use Seth Rollins' current plight as an example, okay? He feuded with Kevin Owens in the fall and through the spring and into WrestleMania, right?
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Okay, he lost that match, correct? Yep. At WrestleMania. Okay, so he he got his just desserts. Okay, mm-hmm. as the heel, which is again logical storytelling. I had no problem with that. Uh, what happened the next
0: month with Seth Rollins? He was challenging for a championship.
1: Yes, that doesn't. That's that's <laughs> not good storytelling.
0: And right.
1: Their plot device to explain that away was, well, I know you lost, but whatever. I got to prove myself against you. That's not very compelling. (laughs) And let's talk about what he's doing now with Ray and Dominic. Okay, I did think the segment this past Monday was good. Yes, I did. With the caning. That was a good segment. It was the highlight of Raw. Now, the fact that no one came down to help Dominic, we really need to go back to other baby faces helping out. When a baby these is in this need.
0: the worst babyface locker room in wrestling history. This kid's mean, it, out here getting the shit the, kicked out of him and nobody's helping him. Is the monitor Never on? I mean, you <laughs> watch that Hogan Kamala
1: deal I referenced at the beginning of the show, Corporal Kirchner's out doing like a 4240. <laughs> I mean, and, and this you got this locker room that allegedly idolizes this guy dad, the, the uh the Ray Visterio, and they're back in catering, <laughs> munching on donuts watching this guy get his ass kicked. Yeah. <laughs> Come on, man. So let's look at that storyline. So cause he's been pretty specific with this storyline. Oh you gotta let it play out. Again, we're hearing that term or that phrase. Okay, let's say Dominic gets revenge for his father losing almost losing an eye. Okay. Again, the heel gets his comeuppance. That's fine. But do we think for a second that Seth getting his comeuppance is is going to have any effect on his character moving forward. This is a major problem, not just with Seth Rollins, but with all of WWE. Whereas, you know, there's no long lasting effect from a feud on either, you know, on one or both characters' future trajectory. Right. And and that's why people don't buy any of these storylines.
0: And it's why they're not invested in the show, and it's why the ratings are dwindling, because there's yeah. not a reason to tune in each and every week. Long-term I mean, storylines make you want to tune in. I mean, look at Sheamus last week on SmackDown. You cover that program every week. hmm Was he kind of
1: like working as a de facto babyface against King Corbin? Did my <sighs> eyes deceive me?
0: Yeah, I mean, you would think so, Okay, Kevin <laughs> well, Corbin, yeah.
1: Okay, did he not just get done with a heavy heat angle against Jeff Hardy?
0: I know. Like,
1: just get done with it? Yep. And am I supposed to have any sympathy for the Seamus character <laughs> after he berated a guy for his alcohol and drug issues?
0: Nonsensical. Entirely. Yeah,
1: it he, Look, Meltzer has been throwing around the idea that WWE right now reminds him a lot of latter-era WCW. And... In some regards, it's fair. some regards, that's actually not fair. Where it's not fair is that it, calling it ladder-era WCW is kind of intimating that the performers have given up. Because let's not sugarcoat this. The performers at the end of WCW, at least the older ones, the guys on top, gave up and yeah. stopped trying. That's not true with the WWE locker room at all. Mm. But where there is a fair comparison is... WWE, much like WCW those last couple years, has really lost the right to tell fans to be patient with these storylines. Because again, you go back probably all the way to that unsatisfactory conclusion of the Kurt Angle, Triple H, Stephanie love triangle. Mm. That was like such a tipping point, I thought, for WWE storytelling, Mm -hmm. Ryan, if you go back. Where, you know, everyone was expecting Stephanie was going to turn on Triple H and go with Kurt Angle. And they didn't do that. And that's okay. I guess. I mean, you don't have to do it. But, you know, it, it was like silly. Remember the WWE excuse was, well, you know, our, our fans wouldn't believe that a guy like Kurt could get Stephanie, even though they were all expecting it? Yeah. <laughs> you know, that, that was kind of the first time when WWE thought it knew better than its fans when it came to storytelling. And it's kind of been a downward slope ever since. I mean, you can look at stories that they think they tell well, like Steve Austin paranoid, out for revenge, will do anything to get back to the WWF title. So he turns heel and joins Mr. McMahon. Oh, they told this story. Okay, and like, if it was a normal TV show, I guess that would be good storytelling. But it was horrible because this is a live event business still, and a business at the time driven up heavily on pay-per-view, and people didn't want to see Steve Austin as a heel. Mm. Look at the numbers. It bears it out. So yeah. that was actually... Even though you might think you're telling a good story there in the classics, it was a terrible story. And then you have like the invasion and so on and so forth. There, you know, I, I don't – it goes back to – it's not that we're not patient. It's that the stories aren't good. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, I, I, I just – I don't buy this argument that, the, yeah, the fans don't have patience for it when in every other form of entertainment that people are consuming – they have patience. I mean, yeah. Dramatic, te- like I said, dramatic television series. There's so many great ones. They're booming because people love watching good stories play out. And like, what incentive is there for you to turn to tune into Monday Night Raw or Smackdown each and every week when there's never really the, the good cliffhangers? Like, what what is the long term story they got going now? I guess retribution. But that's been pretty poorly done. It's two weeks. Oh. <laughs> and, I mean, it's something they're going to be, you know, doing for a few more weeks at least. But like that hasn't really given me... The way that's been done, it hasn't really made me want to tune in. It's been pretty lame, to be honest. And, well, and, okay, what are people comparing Retribution
1: to? Nexus. From 10 years ago, right? Okay. That did get people really excited when it happened. Remember, everyone was like, yeah, okay, this is good, you know? Mm -hmm. And and Meltzer was even like, I think, you can only do this angle once every 10 years. How ironic is that quote 10 years later? But... (laughs) What happened with that storyline? It fizzled, yeah. and it's not like the fans gave up on it. It was terrible. They lost their first match.
0: Yeah, <laughs> that that made no sense. <laughs> I mean, I remember at the time thinking, "What? Like, how do you, how do you script that? Who on earth would think that that's a good idea? That the momentum's going to sustain if you haven't lose their first match? Yeah. yeah. And
1: then the whole idea is, <laughs> and okay, if they just leave, I guess whatever. It's like you know. Out of sight, out of mind, but they kept, like, going with it to the law of diminishing returns. Like, they kept pretending that Nexus was the same dominant force. Yeah. And then what happened? John Cena had to leave the WWE and was back, like, the next week. (laughs) Do you think WWE fans, quote-unquote, are different than AEW fans in terms of their
0: patience? I don't think so. I think... You know, what I think it is, is a lot of AEW fans are people who who have been disgusted by WWE over the last several years because they crave the stories. You know, like if you're you wouldn't just tune into AEW for athletic matches because WWE has a lot of athletic matches. Right. They're tuning in because they're sick and tired of the WWE not listening to the audience and giving them the stories that they want. And that all kind of comes to this, that WWE does, doesn't does really have much direction these days. And when they do, they script it out in a way that makes no sense. They let it fizzle out, like you said. Uh, they almost like penalize you for remembering stuff. You know, like when they, yes. do, want, when they do want to like call back to something, it, 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 there's like a retelling of something and not exactly what happened. And you're like, wait a second, that doesn't make any sense because I was paying attention. And well, no, they don't want you to remember that. So if you do pay attention closely, you get penalized for it, or you be, you're be you just kind of made to feel like a fool.
1: Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's funny. You think back to all the old storylines. And, you know, people. you get called a nitpicker when you point this stuff out. But here's just something that maybe it's inconsequential, maybe not. Okay, a storyline that people liked. Kofi Kingston, his quest for the WWE title going into WrestleMania 35, okay? Has it ever adequately, adequately pardon me, been explained why for weeks... Vince McMahon had this hard on not to let him in that match, then all of a sudden just did and was apparently okay with it. Yeah. Him winning the title. (laughs) No. Like, that's not good storytelling. Like, did, was Vince just like the, did, are we supposed to believe that Vince, you know, all of a sudden was like, you know what, these fans are right. I've seen enough. Because like the way the plot, like he just won another match. He didn't do anything that he hadn't done the previous couple weeks. Right. It was like he had won his third match in a row or something. Yeah. And was it like, oh, you know, third time's a charm for me, pal. You know, this Kofi really deserves it. Like, even a storyline that they that people like and get into, that's how low the bar is. Often, they, they don't even make sense. And well, the kicker from the interview, I, I, I think you're going to love this. Rollins completely contradicts himself by saying that even he, as a performer, doesn't know where his stories are going week to week. <laughs> So if he doesn't even know, how are we supposed to care or be invested? Right. <laughs> and that hurts us. By the way, a performer not knowing is really terrible because if he does know, he can throw subtle stuff in.
0: Yes, it, that it would leaves... make his performance better.
1: Yes, and, you do, and again, I know that there was that if-you-dare-answer question that we got last week. But with AEW, it's pretty clear they do know where they're going, at least – a few weeks or months down the line. And that helps. And I asked you the question about AEW, Ryan, because when I watch their product, I am trying to constantly guess the storylines. Oh, I hope this happens. I hope this happens. With WWE, you're just like, oh, God, I hope Drew McIntyre beats Randy Orton. Well, then what? I have no idea. Yeah. Because they have not built up someone as the next logical contender. And so what does that lead to? Well, they're... You know, is retribution going to run in and cause a non-finish? Is it going to just be a non-finish independent of retribution? Is Randy Orton going to win because we want to put McIntyre back in a chasing role? I don't think any of those options are good. I think the correct answer is true. McIntyre should retain because they have to get over this idea that, you know, new people are not just at the level, but better than the stars of the last few years. Yeah. I agree. But the, the reasons, all the reasons they may not do it are because of bad storytelling. They don't have any, I don't think they have anyone to challenge McIntyre after Orton.
0: You know, I always kind of dread the question, whether it's on this show after a pay-per-view, a major pay-per-view, or when we're doing the uh, the comicbook.com features and I'm writing, you know, our pay-per-view previews on there. There's always the question, okay, like if McIntyre retains, who's his next challenger? Because I never have any earthly idea who it's going to be because they don't build up anybody and that's bad that's really bad (laughs) you should be able to see someone coming mm -hmm.
1: and the thing is it shouldn't be predictable but at the same time it needs to be logical like it's like oh god like i could see this guy being mcintyre's next challenger and he wouldn't necessarily have that doesn't necessarily have to be the next destination but it has to be something that people can kind of see into the future. That's what wrestling's all about. People
0: want to see. Oh, I hope this happens a couple weeks, a couple months. I'm like WWE, you got no clue. You just don't. You don't have anyone that you want to see challenge yeah. for the title. It's it's not even about being predictable, like you said. It's just building up guys that you can buy in the role. Mm-hmm. You know that they they could emerge victorious and they could be the next challenger. You don't, you look at the roster, like I don't even see anyone when you put them into a world title picture it's just going to be out of nowhere, like completely out of nowhere. And then like, if that if that's the case, you don't buy them as real challengers and then you're not invested in the championship match and you could really care less. C, Ziggler, Comma, Dolph. Yeah. Right? <laughs> well, as we talked about on the show, like that was another one where they tried to draw some history back to when they were a team two years ago, but the history that they were telling didn't make any sense with what actually happened between those two guys. So, oh. yeah. Um, I saw a great
1: tweet in response to this Rollins interview. At least the one where he delivered this quote about the WWE fans not having patience. It was Jeremy Lambert did it. It was, quote, WWE is great at moments. They have no idea how they got there. They have no idea what's next, but they get moments. I would like to add to that that these quote-unquote moments are almost never interconnected, which is also a problem. Right? Like, something big will happen to WWE. Like, CM Punk has a pipe bomb. Does his pipe bomb. Okay? And then you get money in the bank. But then where are you at a
0: couple months later? See, that was another one they rushed. Because then when he left, he was back, what, like a week later? Mm -hmm. (laughs) Mm-hmm. It could have been weeks and weeks later, but they rushed back into his return. So,
1: Yeah, and it's just like these big moments that happen. Like sometimes you can go back, especially like in the early part of this 21st century, like kind of as the attitude era was winding down and becoming ruthless aggression. Like oftentimes, you know, there'd be like two big moments in a year, but they'd be like contradictory. To each other. You know, like, they tell the story of Brock Lesnar, the next big thing, this conquering babyface winning at WrestleMania 19. Yeah. Like, five months later, he's a heel. Yeah. Or, like you know, Triple H, same thing the previous year at WrestleMania. <laughs> right? Yeah. Wins the title as a babyface. A couple months later, he's a heel.
0: Get You get emotionally invested in this guy, you're pumped that they win the title, and guess what? He hates you.
1: Yeah, and, and the only reason they became heels is why. It's not because of it was some great storytelling. Let's connect the dots. It was because they were booked terrible as babyfaces. Yeah. Like, that's, that's like, the real kicker with, like, mm-hmm. modern WWE is how babyfaces turn heels, not because of some great storyline, but because they're booked so poorly as babyfaces.
0: Right. So, the other quote he had this week was he, he declared, this is Seth Rollins, that if eye for an eye happened during the Attitude Era... No one would have scoffed at it. So he's acknowledging that a lot of people thought that this was ridiculous. Do we buy this? No. No. <laughs> Lots of criticism is directed towards the Attitude Era, not just
1: retroactively, but at the time. Yes. I want to make a key point here, yes. Ryan Drosty, that you can respond to. There seems to be this belief that it was like the vulgarity and crudeness that was responsible for the success of the Attitude Era. And that could not be further from the truth. What made the Attitude Era successful is very simple. The star power of Steve Austin, The Rock, and to a lesser extent, Vince McMahon. Yeah. Because when it comes to crude and vulgar storylines, if you go back and look at the WWE timeline, you could make the case, and maybe a few examples will jump into your head, and our our listeners can think of a few too. I think they went further down the toilet in that Ruthless Aggression Era. Sometimes than they did in the Attitude Era, and that stuff got panned.
0: At the yeah. time, and played diminishing returns. It's true, uh, Katie Vick, yes. HLA. <laughs> that was, yeah, I mean, that was all like, during ruthless aggression, right? Yeah, yeah, and it's
1: like, you know, it's, did they say no? You guys like this during the editing here? What the hell's the problem with you guys? It wasn't the crudeness and vulgarity that necessarily drew people into that product. It was the stars.
0: That's right, like, and and it was the. It wasn't that it was crude stories. It was that. They were good stories, you know, like if you look at those old raw shows and if you compare the WWE roster from then to now, we've said this before, there's no contest, they have a better roster now. But the difference back then is that everyone on that show always had a good story going for them. Like the shows were crafted in a way that when someone came out, you knew what was going on with them. You know, you had a reason to want to watch the match. It wasn't always because it was this trashy storyline. Actually, rarely that was the case. They just, they had something for them. Everyone on the show had a story. It wasn't just match, match, match. And that's, uh, to me, that's the difference between the Attitude Era and today. You know, we said before, if if you're tuning in just to watch great matches, you're going to get more great matches on shows today. But the storytelling is what set that era apart from today. You know, like I, I, I remember saying that at the time as a teenager, like, look, every single guy that comes out, they've got a reason to tune into their match. There's something going on for him. You know, everything is logical. That That's kind of how I felt in that era. Yeah. And, and what he's doing is he's leaning into this thing that, you know, quite frankly,
1: we've said before that, you know, the attitude era can be over romanticized. Lord knows the promotion does a hell of a job with it on its own network. Mm-hmm. I mean, they, they all but tell you. That WWE used to be better twenty years <laughs>
0: yeah. year ago. I mean, they sorry, didn't want you guys help. aren't older, but you should have been watching this twenty years ago because yeah, holy shit, we were holy great. Shit, were we better back then? <laughs>
1: um, if it, it's, I granted they have a network, so there's just more room for content. I was thinking about this. They never did that in the mid '90s period when things were really down, did they? Where, Can, where it was like, oh god, a couple years ago. I mean, granted, it was they couldn't because Hogan was on the other channel, but. Other than WrestleMania 10, where they showed the old
0: um, highlights of WrestleManias, they almost
1: really never leaned into the past.
0: It's true. I always wondered, too, if some of that was because a lot of the guys you know, had gone to WCW yeah. and they didn't want to show them. But still, I mean... Even in the mid-90s, you would have been going back 10 years, sometimes less than 10 years. To go back to the Attitude Era now, that'd be like in the 90s. They're like, oh, you should have been around for San Martino in the early 70s. It was That was the time to be here. <laughs> you and, know? and look at when they did like bring back guys
1: from 20 years ago. Everyone was like, who's this old fart? No offense. <laughs> but that was kind of the – remember the hideous Rocky Maivia Sultan feud oh. over the Intercontinental title when there was like – you had like Bob Backlund, the Iron Sheik, Tony Atlas, and Rocky Johnson yeah. as these ancillary players. Mm-hmm. Everyone's like, what is this? Yeah. Everyone watched that. I don't remember this. Yeah. I don't care about the 1984 tag team who's tag team champions in 1984 or pardon me 83. Yeah. Come on. <laughs> I you know, and and going back to like things that were criticized in the attitude era. All the time. I mean, choppy, choppy, your PP. I remember, dude, logging on to Raw reviews the next day
0: online. And people were like, this is hideous. Yeah, May Young, the hand thing. Yes! Like, all of that stuff got panned at the time. People weren't giving it a pass, and so certainly people would have went after this as being bad. I was r- really
1: disappointed in Seth for what probably was just parroting the company line. When, you know, going back to the whole idea of moments. He's like, well, TMZ picked it up. Like, that's the end-all-be-all mm-hmm. of the storyline. That's a real slippery slope if you're just doing stuff so TMZ <laughs> puts a story up. Because it's like, okay, that's cool. Like, it is a good idea, but what if, like, people then watch the storyline? Like, are, are do you think, like, for two seconds that these lapsed fans, non-fans, are going to see that storyline play out the way it did and be like, oh, dude, I'm giving this WWE a try. Like, is that your best foot forward? Mm. That's what you're going to show to people to try to bring them into the WWE? Is a guy fake losing his eyeball and a guy puking in response? Yeah. That's what you think the answer is? Pat McAfee? (laughs) There it is. A punter? Did you see this? There was an unbelievable tweet. That somebody had in response to that. I'll just go to we can go down this rabbit hole real quick. Yeah. That if the WrestleMania two battle royal was held today in twenty twenty W, refrigerator Perry's totally winning. Oh yeah. You know, and he's gonna like throw out Andre the Giant too, like he's nothing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then I shared that with a buddy of mine, friend of the show, uh, Chad, and he he's like, he's like screw that, he's like Sean Landetta would probably win the WrestleMania two battle royal <laughs> today. Are you kidding me?
0: Oh God, (laughs) that is so true. So true,
1: though. I mean, the way they just sort of like clamor for this attention, but with no, you know, no substance behind it. Mm. It's just like, oh, look what we did. Please give us attention. And it's like, okay, here's your attention. And that's not really good. Smackdown, when it moved to Fox. Ryan, you've been a of a wrestling fan for decades. I think you would agree with this. I have never seen WWE get the level of promotion it did going into that first episode of SmackDown on Fox I ever.
0: C- I could have never imagined it as a kid that SmackDown or Raw would be getting advertised during NFL broadcasts weekly, you know? Okay. Yeah.
1: So I'm, I'm like, this is unbelievable. Like, freaking Joe Buck is doing ad reads for SmackDown <laughs> while, like, you know, Troy Aikman makes some playful remark to it. Wow. This is what they've wanted forever. And they drew a big number the first week, right? Yep. Maybe, I don't know if it was as big as they'd hoped, but it was a big number. It was, and we all knew it was probably going to be big. It certainly should have been, given the level of promotion. What happened in week two? went down a little bit not as much as it has gone down the last few months. Yeah, but, but... I mean it, it went down like pretty by a couple in within a couple weeks it was basically back down to what they were doing on USA. So, yeah. what does that tell you? Okay. Hey, we got the we reached out, we tried to grab these new viewers in and in a couple weeks they were like nope. Mhm. So, again, that's you they know, went they the, the, went from
0: three point 8, three point8 8 million viewers on the Fox debut to 2.8 the next week to two point four and then they hovered around two and a half million for the next several weeks. So yeah I mean that's a that's a that's more than a 30 percent drop off so yeah.
1: it's just I mean and again, it's the storytelling this needs to be said we should we should do for a top rope nation classic or just maybe even a normal episode once we need to review an old Saturday night's main event. And I'm going to down. tell you why. One, it would be really easy because it's like we only have to watch like basically an hour of television. But if you watched an old Saturday Night's Main Event and you were someone who did not follow the WWF product at that time, it was very, very easy to immediately understand what was going on in the promotion. Yeah. I mean, they, they, they that show was so well produced for someone – who maybe didn't know what was going on and needed a crash course. And at the same time, it did not alienate people who were following the product regularly. Mm-hmm. Nowadays, if you click on an episode of raw or SmackDown, like a person who doesn't follow the product, you're going to, they're going to be doing an art Donovan impression for two hours. <laughs> Who's this guy? Who's this fella gorilla? Yeah. How much does he weigh?
0: <laughs> I like that idea though. We are due for a top rope nation classics, which if you know what we're talking about, that is a bonus show we do for our patrons over on a Patreon page and uh i like the idea so those of our those of you that are members of our patreon page let us know on the forum on patreon which uh saturday night's main event show you want to see us review and we'll put that out before the end of the month uh so i'm talking to you greg and ryan and liam and sean and tim and andrew and kyle and derek let us know we'll do that real real soon because we are due kyle for another top rope nation class the older the better too. yes but we are going to be going down the classic wrestling rabbit hole for our Monday show, Kyle. I am happy to let you know that the Top Rope Nation Draft Series is returning just in time for SummerSlam. Justin Joint gave us the idea. We're going to be doing a draft of SummerSlam matches. We're going to be doing this on our... We're going to record it on Sunday. It'll be out Monday morning so you can look forward to that maybe we'll even have a guest on the line i've even Ooh. looked into booking someone but maybe we can get someone to join us for that should be a lot of fun give you a reason to <laughs> hey look this is long-term booking gives you a reason to tune in to our monday yeah. show because if you have heard our drafts in the past uh the undertaker draft the rick flair draft they were a ton of fun so i'm looking forward to this for monday show
1: and you know what's cool about SummerSlam is unlike some of the other big four pay-per-views There is not that consensus number one pick.
0: Yeah, it's true.
1: Like, I think if you pulled four people, for instance, you may not get two of them to agree what should go number one. I know what my number one would be.
0: Are you saying match or show? Match. Okay, yeah. I was going to say show. I think I have a number one. Yeah, but show. Yeah. I think most people yeah. actually
1: would come to the conclusion. Of
0: 2002. <laughs> I, I, I saw the WWE on Fox Twitter account. They're doing like a a tournament of best SummerSlams, and I was going to res- respond and be like, "All right, so we're pretending that anything competes with 2002 here, or <laughs> end it now." Yeah,
1: I, the interesting debates number two. Yeah, I think. Yeah. Um, from a work rate perspective, you can make the case 2013. Yeah. Has you know two phenomenal matches. Um, you know, two thousand would be up there. Too. Um. Yeah. I don't know. Some of this. Two thousand fourteen def- actually was a bad. As much as people, you know, we bag sometimes on modern WWE. God, it was. You watch those two thousand thirteen and two thousand fourteen shows. And you like beg for that. Oh yeah. <laughs> compared to today. Oh yeah.
0: So yeah, this is all going to come up on the Monday show. So make sure you are subscribed wherever you get your podcast so you don't miss it. And if if you want to have some input on this show, again, it's patreon.com slash top rope nation. Great way to support the show and our growth and get some of those bonus shows like uh, top rope classics, which we will, from the sounds of it, be doing an old Saturday night's main event show real, real soon. Called that one in the ring. Yeah. And, you know, also, I got to say, I thought it turned out great after I mixed it. If you all have not heard our show from Monday this week, where we looked back at SummerSlam 05 and Hogan and HBK, we had a ton of fun on that show. Great material. Um, I thought it was a really good deep dive with a lot of the -the behind-the-scenes stories of what was going on between those two heading into that match. And you'll probably learn something. So if you missed it, make sure to go back and listen to Monday's show. So... With that, Kyle, you know, we miss our buddy Justin, but he'll be here for the draft for Monday's show. But uh, always great talking to you, my friend. Yeah, I was going to say that uh, last show we did was so good that my dog is now currently barking like a
1: maniac upstairs. I don't know if that was picked up on the microphone, but uh, shut up, bro.
0: <laughs> I think if I I kind of hear it now Now oh, that okay. you mentioned, I didn't notice it before. But <laughs> that's our cue, guys. We got to get out of here. So I <laughs> hope you've enjoyed the show. Uh, have a good weekend. We'll catch you on Monday morning. Take care. Sports are coming back, and so are your chances to bet on your favorite teams and events. Major League Baseball is back in action, and there's no better place to start wagering than our partners Bet Online. Check out all the odds, futures, and props to bet on, all available 24-7. And with the return of sports, Bet Online sat down with former pro players Eddie George, Harold Reynolds, and seven-time NBA champ Robert Ory. See what they had to say on what it'll be like playing without fans in a series they're calling Fandemic. Visit betonline.ag for all your odds and up-to-date sports news. Remember to use promo code BLUEWIRE to receive your new welcome bonus. That's promo code BLUEWIRE. BetOnline, your online wagering experts.